You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the Team 76 bringing us into episode number 53 of Straight to the Point my name is Chris. Here are my guy, J-Dub. What's going on? Yo, we got so much to talk about. It's an action-packed, jam-packed episode. When Doug, Dougie P, Super Bowl-winning coach, is not even the top three things we got to talk about on the episode. You know we got a lot to talk about. First things first, James Harden is a net. Got to talk about Urban Meyer making the jump to the NFL. Gotta talk about Cleveland shocking y'all, because I, I had that. I believe I had that. And so much more. But we gotta start with the college football playoff national championship that just wrapped up. Ohio State loses to Alabama. Jer, I know you was rolling tide. You know, I was I was OU all the way. So talk to me about how Alabama came away with a win and how Nick Saban comes away with his record-breaking seventh national championship. Yeah, I think what he he sets the record for NCAA head coaches with seven wins now. He's, he breaks history for it. Um, Alabama was just – this was a season for them, basically. Like, everybody keeps saying they're fraudulent or this ring has an asterisk. Well, every ring that's about to be won last season this season is going to have an asterisk because of COVID. Unfortunately, that's the precedent that we're in right now because of the economy and everything going on with COVID. But when you look at what Alabama's done – this season alone, they really just showcased how talented they were in their recruiting staff and the players they get. Najee Harris, they lost Jalen Waddle, and then they got Devonta Smith to step up and win the Heisman. You're talking about he had 215 yards, three touchdowns in the first half of the game. Mm-hmm. First half of the game. Imagine if he didn't hurt his fingers when I thought he might have broken his hand, but it looked like he just hurt two fingers and dislocated them. Imagine if he didn't get out for the rest of the game. The number of yards he probably could have broken. And then you still have Najee Harris putting up two touchdowns and rushing for 79 yards. And then Mac Jones throwing for over 400 yards and five touchdowns. It was just a game where they dominated from the beginning to end. And you could see that Justin Fields was still banged up. He still had a good game with 194 yards and a touchdown, but they lost their best running back in Sermon early in the game. They look like a team that's only played seven wins. Like you could tell that they only had seven wins. They only played seven games in the season because they weren't as well prepared as you would have wanted to see in a championship caliber team. I, I push. I disagree with you. And I have to give you some pushback because if you look at the beginning of the game, um, like you said, Alabama dam- dominated from end to end, which is not entirely true. Ohio State was in that game at the beginning. They forced a critical turnover on Mac Jones. They got the ball back. They were in the game early. It was seven seven fourteen four. It, it was tied, you know. And then it kind of looked like Alabama kind of went into that second gear, and Ohio State kind of couldn't. And you know, Ohio State couldn't keep up. You talked about them winning seven games, which is which is true. They only played seven games, but they beat Clemson. Like they beat down Clemson. And Clemson, a lot of people argue, was the second best team in the country. They hung in there with Alabama for about a quarter and a half. You know, you say hanging in there, and I say dominance. I'm talking about dominant, as in when a team comes back and scores on you. Every time you would see Ohio State score after 
Alabama would score. It was a punch in the mouth again where Alabama was going downfield in seven plays. Seven plays well, in less possession time that it took for Iowa State to get downfield. Well, Ohio State is playing the long game. They can't – you know, not a lot of teams aren't going to be able to go punch for punch shootout that's, that's with Alabama. That because now you look at, look at what Christian Ballmore did, a guy that is a first-round draft pick from Philadelphia, our, our city. You talk about you see what he's done. You look at look at what he did throughout the entire game, and he was playing a rotational piece. He, he's in the Saban system as a rotational guy, mm-hmm. and then he's coming in getting a sack here, half sack there, just dominating. Where even though you could see Justin Fields, they was getting downfield, they were scoring, but there were plays where they were getting just so abused on the defensive end, and then the offensive end they had no stop for Devonta Smith at all. We no, got run, well, no one, no one has, no one's ever accused Ohio State of having the greatest secondary ever. You know. Hopefully he comes, he's going to be a slot corner in the NFL because he got abused in this uh, championship game. It was hard to watch a guy that you, you would see is supposed to be a first round talent get abused like this in the motion offense. And the fact that the matter is, I think Ohio state, you know, even for, even for their seven games proved that they were, they are a top team in, in the country. Um, I can't be too dis- you know I can't be too mad at how their season ended. I just feel like Alabama just kind of went into that next gear and Ohio State couldn't keep up. If there was a full season and it was an even amount of games played on both ends, maybe it's a different outcome. Maybe Ohio State builds up the ability to kind of go shot for shot with Alabama. Well, a lot of people aren't going to go shot for shot with Alabama because they have three Heisman Heisman finalists on the same side of the ball at, at one time. This, this puts more pressure, and I, I wouldn't say pressure because at the end of the day, they make their own decisions. This just puts more focus into the CFA playoffs and how there needs to be some sort of change for the playoff structure of college football. You're just looking at how there were so many postponements, so many game cancellations, so many bending of the rules to allow a team like Ohio State that didn't even have the necessary wins at one time or the games played at one time to even get into the playoffs. Well, it's just be a, a deep dive into what needs to be fixed, but it's how, something I've argued for years. How do, you, how do you recommend that a team who didn't have the – like their conference ended their season. Ohio State didn't choose to end their season, you know, to start late. You can't hold that against them. If, no, no, no. If, if, so COVID, mind you, nobody's had a, a pandemic insurance. Like I don't think anybody's up, signed up for that with the IRS or with with, the, with insurance or anything. Just like, but when you talk about this, isn't just been a problem for this season alone. This has been a problem over numerous of seasons where college football playoffs, bracket wise, rankings wise, has caused issues for certain teams that either they don't have the necessary wins or they do have the wins, but their conference record, or not even their conference record, but the regular record that they have that's not in the conference hinders them when playoff times come. You'll see a team, let's say, for instance, Notre Dame had a good season, but let's say Notre Dame had had two more uh, two losses, and then those weren't even conference losses. Those are just regular season losses. That would have hindered them making the playoffs, yes. even if Ohio State didn't play enough games. Well, the, the argument is not the four most winningest teams in the country. It's the four best teams in the country. Would you argue that Ohio State is one of the four best teams in the country? I think they are. Again, okay, so, and they should be there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If they, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if they're one of the four best teams in the country. Then they deserve to be there. I don't care how many games, how many games in a row BYU wins. I don't care how many games Texas Texas Tech wins. I don't care. They're not one of the four best teams in the country. Period. That's but that's that's the that's the nature of of college football. It's always been. 
a favorite, you know, they, you know, there's always been favoritism. The SEC always gets more, you know, more cachet when it comes to how people view them, you know? So a two, like a, like a two loss SEC team is going to get more, you know, like Georgia, a team like that is going to get more likelihood to make a college football playoff than a undefeated Pac-12 team or an undefeated, you know, Notre Dame, you know, like argument that Texas A&M could have made it over Notre Dame or Notre Dame could have made it over OSU and Texas A&M could have made it over Notre Dame or it could have Texas, literally been it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Ohio, Alabama so they're, just, they're going to have they're going to have the biggest they're going to have the four biggest best teams you know they're going to have the Big Ten rep, rep, representative they're going to have it it's you know again, the conference also goes with it look at the conference certain teams play and you're just automatically going to be dominant like we can you can shift gears a little bit, not even just in college football, look at college basketball. Gonzaga's undefeated, looking like they have an undefeated season because mm-hmm. of the conference they're in. It's it's it's, it's no it's, it's undeniable. It's undeniable the conference that they're in. They are poised to literally dominate until March Madness or yeah. April Madness, depending on how COVID is. And they, usually they wait the WCC West Coast Conference. And There's usually the, the biggest the biggest argument against Gonzaga is. Yeah, they just beat up on the teams in their in their conference. They're they're not any good. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, like, for so many years, when the Big East was the Big East, you know, everybody was like, "Oh, look at look at Georgetown, look at Syracuse, look at all these teams in the Big East." They're better. The Big East in college basketball used to, you know, what the SEC is in college football. It's the most concentrated, highest regarded conference. So a lot of these teams get more cachet, even like the Big Twelve. You know, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas, Texas, you know, Texas Tech, AM, like they, you know, the uh, the ACC, like Duke, Carolina, like Virginia Tech, Virginia, like these teams were beating up on each other. So a lot of these conferences, these big conferences were getting the, the cachet. Ain't nobody cared about, you know, Atlantic, you know, Atlantic 10. Eh, who cares? So that happens in college football too. A lot of it is perception. And a lot of it is, you know, not necessarily media bias, but like name recognition. Like a lot of people will, you get benefit of the doubt off of your reputation. Just off the pedigree of your team. The pedigree, exactly. The pedigree of the players that you've produced, continue to produce or recruit. I get it. I, I don't buy it. You just, and, and, and just, and just, and just the going to be another great team again because they had a very great recruiting class in 2021. We'll and just to wrap it up. That episode, but it happens. Just to wrap it up, I feel as though you know I was told that Alabama is fraudulent. Man, champions championships always cause animosity. Been, it's been called it's been called the asterisk title. So you know, so is the Lakers, but they they still claim it. Mickey, still Mickey Mouse they ring. It happens. Sometimes they still ring on their finger. At the end of the day, it's going to be an asterisk for any team that wins. If right now, if the Brooklyn Nets win, when we talk about it later with James Harden, which is boomer bust, we'll talk about that later. It's an asterisk on that ring, playing in COVID. It's your boy, the Jewish Bulldog, Benny Sinekin. Bulldog Benny, you call him whatever you want. Pretty boy, you already know. You listen straight to the point. And then transitioning from the college game to the pro game. Something that your boy Urban Meyer is starting to do now because he's been named the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, coming in fresh off of uh, early retirement from OSU, 
formerly the coach of Florida, won a couple of national championships down there. Uh, Jerry, what do you think about uh, Urban Meyer finally making his long-awaited jump to the NFL? Smart man. And, it, and honestly, it's so smart because he waited. Uh, we, we thought he was going to be the coach last season for teams like potentially the Jets or team like, let's say, for instance, Dallas Cowboys, stuff like that, when they're going through their coaching franchise or the Washington football team. They, had, they were a big team of interest going into the season, talking about Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. But he's coming into – the Jaguars, which is right now any head coach's dream job at the moment. You're talking about a team that has 11 draft picks in this draft alone. Mm -hmm. Lucrative cap space where they have an enormous amount of caps right now because they don't have anybody in the contract anymore. They've gotten rid of all their star players. So they're on the rebuild. And then you're also going to a team that has no income tax. So you can entice free agents. And this is going to be a very nice free agent class. And this is a team that doesn't need but so much when it comes to the wide receiving side of the ball because mm-hmm. they have guys like a Chris Conley, they have guys like a uh, D.D. Westbrook and others there that can really do their thing. Ball, they just need a QB. And now you have the number one pick. A Trevor Lawrence is possible there. Urban Meyer with Trevor Lawrence might be a, a very good move. Urban Meyer has coached some very good coaches throughout mm-hmm. quarterbacks, not coaches. He has coached some very good quarterbacks throughout his time as a, a college head coach. And then you're also coming into the situation whereas they don't know what they want to do right now. So when Urban Meyer's coming in there, he can win some games and he can lose some games where you know when you're in college football, you can't lose but so many games. Mm-hmm. When you're in the NFL, you can lose some games in the NFL, but continue to use it as a rebuilding tool, continue to use it as a a, a training and learning tool to implement for the your future players that are coming in because they're going to have a young team. They're not going to have a team full of veterans or a team full of Super Bowl guys that are just coming off a playoff run or just coming off of barely scraping it in the, in the Super Bowl. They're going to have young guys that are raw and hungry that are going to want to come in, and he's the perfect coach to come into the situation and just do what he wants do do what he wants to do as in a coaching standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then you're also talking about he's making twelve million a year. Who, who doesn't want to make twelve million a year as a head coach? Big, big money, like you said, untaxed. You getting um, paid handsomely. And I think this is like this is just a coaching a coach's dream right now. He's a guy that you want to have your from from the college to transition to the NFL. You want to come into a situation where it's not too many expectations on you. Mm-hmm. He's expected he's expected to help turn this team around, but he's not expected to, in one or two seasons, turn this team from the record they had today into now a 12-3 and three team or a, let's say they go 10-0 and 0, like the Steelers just did or 11-0. They're not expected to do that right away. Right. This could be a team now that can go just like, they can at least leap start to be a 7-9 next season, depending on the, the roster moves they make and the retooling that they do. 7-9? and nine. I'm just, just spitballing a, a, so you, a, a, a solid number. So, but even if they're seven and nine, bro, they won one game this year, so that's a that's a, a six game turnaround. So the, uh, I, I'm not. I wouldn't put it past them to win because depending on the you look at the schedule they have next season, they have a very easier easier schedule who, than they had this season. Who are they going to beat? I don't know. Ex- the, okay, you're all right. Uh, but then again, you 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 draft an. And then this is me it just saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can make some good moves. Because it's not like the games that they lost, they lost because of the fact that they were just looking so terrible. They were, one, tanking. But they were also losing games because of the fact that they didn't have a quarterback. Okay. They didn't have a great line. Well, they, their line is coming back healthy because no more COVID out, out uh, dates or whatever. Not out dates, but um, COVID opt-outs. Now they're going to come back. You're talking about a new so, quarterback, a better uh, quarterback. We don't, know, we don't know if they're going to come back. We don't know. Um, we're, we're hopefully by the time the next season COVID's over. Oh, you, you, you're expecting by next September, not this, this September coming up, 2021. Mm-hmm. 
COVID should be behind us. That's what we're all praying for, hoping for. Okay. COVID will be behind us. That means there shouldn't be any more people opting out. If they're opting out now, then there's maybe something else going on in their family or something else going on injury-wise, stuff like that. But you wouldn't want them to opt out because of COVID, because COVID should be behind us. Okay. As I wouldn't, I, I think that's being very, very optimistic about the, that September turnaround. You said that this it's a coach's dream to go coach the one in fifteen Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I don't know what you're smoking, but I who I don't know who dreams and says, "Oh, I'm a go coach Jacksonville." No, he yeah. went for that money. I get the eleven draft picks. I get all that, but come on now, that Jacksonville team ain't ain't anywhere close to being a seven and nine, a seven win team. Let alone. Uh, you know, an instant like a, a, a six game, a six win turnaround. I don't right, see so it happening. I get what you said. I you don't get what I'm saying. I heard what you said. You said it's a coach's dream, right? A, a college coach's dream to your first chance to come into the NFL with no expectations on you. He has no expectations on him, really. It's not boom or bust. You're not oh, he, now a coach. He has expectations. Hey, man, you get to be the head. Like this is a coach's. Let's say a legit coach's dream, man. I'm about to get I'm be the new head coach of, of the Chiefs today. Andy Reid say he retiring out of nowhere. Urban Meyer come right in. That's a coach's dream. That's if, that's what you want. If They'll Urban, pay you handsomely, and now you have everything you want. If life. Urban Meyer really wanted the uh, the the win, now he would have coached the Cowboys last year. You know. He would have walked into a much better situation. I understand. I understand who really wants to work for Jerry Jones. I get it. That's a hard ask. But that the Cowboys are much are in a much better position to win anything sooner than Jacksonville is. Now you're I right. get I get what you're saying. You get to build the house from the ground up. Yes, I understand it. You build the foundation, you pick the pieces, you pick the players. You can set the tone, the expectation, all that. The one part, the one part I do agree with you on is they have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of free agents, and a lot of these guys went to Ohio State, played for Urban Meyer. You don't think they might want to go back and play for Urban Meyer again in Jacksonville, in Florida, with no income tax? Come on. I think that I don't think that they're quite ready next year. I'd say four to five years. Um, something that I was just years. being bold and just giving Aaron Meyer a little the praise. You, 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 you was being, I was being bold, but I'm just saying this is what you're looking at when it comes to what entices a head coach to come take this job instead of let's say the other teams I already named, like the Jets. Why are the Jets still having so much trouble with a Vegas, even though they they finally got their head coach? Why were they having so much trouble getting a job right away? Where Aaron Meyer was the go-to guy that you would got last season or the years before that, or and a lot of, look at a lot Washington football team. Why was Urban Meyer? Why did Urban Meyer want to go to the Washington football team? When he, that's again, that's another enticing team. But you didn't want. He didn't want to go there because of there are so many stipulations and they had so many incidents other than just football going around them that you don't want to come into that environment. Right now, the only environment that you're really coming into as the Jaguars head coach is potentially just an owner situation where the owner see Sahak Khan. It seems to have issues sometimes with his players that want more from the team and he doesn't want he they don't they just don't have enough or they want out because of the fact that they've been losing or they've just been having disagreements that's the only issue that he's really coming into and that's just more of a coaching standpoint than an ownership standpoint 
That right. was from they these players, Jalen Ramsey or uh, Unique Ngakwe, Lawrence Campbell. Right. They had problems with their head coach. That then he was an owner's guy, and that's why he was still there. That's why they had they was like, well, we got to go because you're not trying to get rid of him. We got to go. Well, a lot of it stemmed from Tom Coughlin as well, and people know Tom Coughlin's. You know, they call him quote, un, you know, they call him old school. They call him, you know, all kinds of. You know, he's a dis- yeah. disciplinarian. Everything's about him. We get it. Marone had some success early, and they didn't have a quarterback. You know, they tried. They tried the Blake Bortles thing. Didn't work. They tried the Garner Minshew thing. Didn't work. They ran Mike Glennon out there. Of course, it didn't work. So now you you know you're going to run Trevor Lawrence out there. They need to with these eleven picks. If I'm Jacksonville, okay, yes, I have my quarterback now. Let me protect them and let me bolster my defense so I can at least build start building a foundation as to where to go from here. And you know, Urban Meyer, like we said, is a first year head coach. I'm interested to see who he puts around him. You know. Who does he bring in on his on his as his coordinators? Who does he hire to be on his staff? I'm that's where I'm really interested in. Like, yeah, Urban Meyer is, is a is a great story, but who does he make his number? You know, who does he put in charge of his offense and defense? Absolutely, and I just like the talent they have right now. You're talking about guys like James Robinson, who's kind of emerged this season. DJ Chark is still there. Whiskey should know that they just um Josh Allen they from Kentucky he's very good they still have a guys like Miles Jack they just brought in DJ Henderson who's playing very well cornerback as a rookie they still have they brought in Sidney Jones from the Eagles who had some some sort of reemergence as he's now been a very good corner this season that we didn't get to see in Philadelphia so i just like the pieces they have and you're only going to get more of those pieces right. with the 11 draft picks you have and all this capital this and this is what we talking about when you talk about free agents and cap space, cap space is such an enticing thing because you can just maneuver what you want. You can move the money around, play with pieces, make trades with this money, uh-huh. do what you want to do. Because with 11 draft picks, you can make moves to get other players that you wouldn't have been able to get that other teams can't do right now because of the fact that they're so locked into these major contracts. Right. And and a team that's kind of locked into to some of these major contracts is a team that's looking for a head coach right now. And that's your Philadelphia Eagles. I like how it's mine today. They mine. They mine today. Right. They're they're yours. Don't worry. I'm gonna I'm push a lot more onto you in this episode. As your team is now looking for a head coach after they kinda committed to Doug for the next season, and then now they had a meeting, and now we kind of decided we don't really want to do this. So Doug is out. Just won us, you know, won a Super Bowl three years ago, and it kind of since so now the Eagles are back looking for a head coach Doug's mayor you know he's been linked to the Jets job due to his history with Jets GM Joe Douglas that's well, out the well, window that's not the question that's not the question now the that's Jets the, hired their coach that's out the window you know maybe Doug might go to Houston you know young quarterback who he, who he can mold he you know we'll get to that Atlanta maybe maybe Atlanta wants the enemy we don't know. Doug's name has been floated around. But, uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts on the Eagles kind of flip-flopping with Doug and now Doug's gone and they're looking for a head coach? 
So we I we had asked on the podcast Instagram who did the Eagles choose? Carson Wentz or Howard Roseman? They, who should they who who, no, did they who, did, who did they choose? Who did they choose over Doug? That's what this really came down to. Who do you choose over Doug? Why do you guys said Carson Wentz? Why do you guys said Howard Roseman? I said it was both because Carson Wentz is a Jeffrey Lurie guy. Howie Roseman is a Jeffrey Lurie guy. But now you look at all these air quotes leaks that came out about the offensive game plan that Doug had had prior to this new season, making Press Taylor the offense coordinator, which would have been a terrible idea. How Howie Roseman had a press conference kind of apologizing about the draft, but then Chris used in his words flip flopping around saying it wasn't that he didn't want to draft the DK Metcalf or he didn't want to draft uh, Justin Jefferson. It was that the schematics brought in that was brought to him showcased that man, a general Rager would have been a better fit or JJ Artigo Weissau would have been a better fit. And now when he uses the word schematics, air quotes around that word, schematics means coaching staff. And when you talk about coaching staff, that means he's basically saying the coaching staff wanted Rager over Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff wanted. J.J. Tucker White said over D.K. Metcalf because of whatever health issue was Metcalf at the time that would clear to be false. And then the only pick that he actually made for himself was Hurts, which, again, I guess where everybody, everybody, vice versa, scouts and coach staff wanted Jeremy Chen. He wanted Hurts. They got Hurts. So now you look at this as why did Doug go? Doug had to go. And it's not because of the fact that Doug was a bad coach. It's not because of the fact that Doug had a bad season. You're talking about he made playoffs in three seasons. This was his only bad season. He won the Super Bowl in the past four seasons. And he's only had one bad season where they didn't make playoffs and they were still in a playoffs contention fight basically until week seven, week eight. So why did Doug have to go? Doug had to go because of the fact that Which was, you he, mean he was, until week seven, week 16? They were still in, no, they weren't really in. Yeah, they were in it. Once once we um, don't, no, 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 no. Lost no, the Giants, no, 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 I, I, I took us out of it. No, I, you, I you took you out. If I they, took us out of it. I honestly believe if they beat Dallas, they beat Washington, and they would have made the playoffs. Yeah, but I said we weren't going to do either of that, and I was proved right. The team just the, – the, well, the, the ineptitude of the offense and the defense just wasn't there. And that's on Doug. All right, listen. And that is on Doug, but that doesn't justify Doug being fired. What it does show is that the direction that the Eagles are going, Doug doesn't need to be a part of it. And it's not because of the fact that Doug's a bad coach. It's just Doug is going to continue to try and win, and he didn't want to have he, – he believed that – once was in the direction that this team needed to go to anymore. And Glory's still trying to believe in Wentz because, one, the major factor, Wentz is going to take up so much of the Eagles' cap space for the next few few years that it's going to be hard to trade him anyway, mm-hmm. especially with the regressive state he's been the past two seasons. Also, with the fact is Doug's offensive game plans have been pretty abysmal. Even though he's made playoffs, they've been pretty lackluster since losing Frank Wright. They have been. If we're being completely honest, Frank Wright was a great – play caller, great offensive mind for the Eagles. His creativity really helped showcase Carson Wentz's talents, also Nick Foles as well. But it seems that Doug Peterson has a better job coaching the backup QBs than he does having his franchise QB, who is now Lurie's franchise QB because Lurie wants to keep Carson Wentz at all costs. Yeah. So what does this mean for Hurts? Who knows? It's kind of coming from a later date, but I feel like right now Doug had to go, but so too should Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman should have gone with him. There was no reason to keep them both. Both of them should have gone. You should have done a complete culture shock like the Sixers did and revamp your whole front office. Or at least the front office that's not getting doing the job right. The two faces of the team that have been the main faces that have been causing the most problems. That clearly have lackluster feedback from both your locker room and the other scouting and coaching departments. Right. They both had to go. We've talked about this numerous of times on the show, how bad Howie Roseman has been. All right. All right. 
I agree. I agree with everything you said. However, I don't think here's my only confusion. If Hertz was Howie's pick and Howie overruled everyone else, how is like how does Wentz figure in on how like I'm confused as to how Wentz fits in with Howie's plan if he wants Hertz too. They can't play them both. I, I don't I, like, I can't I figure that out either. So now so, I think it's gonna come down to Howie or uh, Wentz. So when is Howie how does Howie keep getting passes? How? Like yeah, the only time the only time Howie got put in his place is when Chip Kelly put him in the closet over on the other side of Novacare complex. I don't understand how this guy keeps getting chance after chance after chance. This is the same guy who assembled the worst dream team ever seen ever to hit the NFL field, okay? The, the same coach, the same guy who got Andy Reid fired, Chip Kelly fired, Doug Peterson fired. This guy still has a job. This guy has taken a team who won a Super Bowl three years ago, and now they're one of the worst teams in the league. How does this guy have a job still? And this goes back to who did the Jeffrey Rory choose over Doug, Howie, or Wentz. I think he chose Howie over everybody else. Above all, he chose Howie. Because at the end of the day, he still believes that Howie can construct him a great roster. I don't understand how, if you're Howie Roseman, right, how do you justify having the fifth, was it the fifth most expensive roster? Yes. And you're one of the bottom six win teams in the league. Look, at you, with, look at you with the stats. You, you're not knowing your stats guy, but you, you did your research on that one. But you got to understand, it's so jarringly bad. Like, you can't even be this bad on purpose. How does this, like, I, I just want to know what the rationale is. Then some of this blame has to be on Jeffrey Lurie. How do you go out? How do you go and send two guys out there in a press conference and say, "Yeah, we're good for next year. We're, he's going to be back. Don't worry about it. He's our guy." And then you kind of come back and you look and you say, "All right, Doug, what you going to do?" Uh, yeah, I'm gonna promote Press Taylor. Oh yeah, no, we can't do this. How do you not do this before the press conference? I don't get it. They they are mismanaged from the top. Jeffrey Lurie got to eat some of that. I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. All right. I, I get it. Howie Roseman thinks he's Jerry Jones. He wants to go out there and coach. He wants to run the play. He wants to be Belichick. I understand it. He's the smartest guy in the room. But there's a reason no one gets along with Howie Roseman. No one. At all. You don't hear anyone say anything glowingly about Howie Roseman. Ever. There's got to be, like, that Super Bowl, I promise you, is going to be brought up for the next However long Howie Roseman's here, and they're going to try to hang their hat on that thing for as long as they can. The clock's ticking on Howie because Doug's gone. So how long do you keep stringing along, you know, Howie? Because he clearly, like, clearly, if he can't turn around, it ain't going to work. I ran, I ran this stat by. Uh, I ran a stat by you before I'm going to do it again. Howie supposedly took over the drafting, uh, the drafting, uh, control in 2016 right in since 2016 it's 2021 right now he has drafted six guys who you can consider our made our major contributors six guys Carson Wentz Isaac Sayamalu Derek Barnett 
Jalen Mills, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. That's it. Uh, and even and even a lot of those guys aren't yeah. even major contributors. They're just not busts like Matt Collins or J.J. Ortega Whiteside or or Blake Counters or oh, Jesus. I forgot about. It was crazy having a great season with the Rams though. He had a really good season with the Rams. Like why does he, why do these guys not work ever? At, no one ever works out for the Eagles. That's six guys in four drafts. You usually have seven picks in a draft. You have six players that weren't complete failures. That's in that's ineptitude. Like as hasn't drafted a Pro Bowler in years. The last Pro Bowler he drafted was Lane Johnson. No, he didn't draft Lane Johnson. Zach Ertz. No, he didn't draft Zach Carson Ertz Wentz. Carson Wentz. It was Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. That's the the only Pro Bowler he's drafted. Because I don't give him the Miles Sanders sub in as a. I don't count that as him drafting a Pro Bowler. Even if you do, all right, that's two in six years. I don't count that because Miles Sanders wouldn't have made it if if that team did. Even if you count Miles Sanders, it's two in in four years. Two. Mm. He inherit. He inherited it. That's not even a word. I'm sorry. He inherited. He inherited a team from Chip Kelly that, with a little bit of fine tuning and a lot less Chip Kelly, won a Super Bowl. And then he constructed the one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a lot of bad teams. I've seen teams quarterbacked by Mike McMahon. This team was probably worse. I've seen teams quarterbacked. By Kevin Cobb, this team was probably worse. And if supposedly it was his call to throw Sudfeld in the game. And he let Doug take the take the L for that and then fired him. Get Howie Roseman out of here, please. I'm begging you. And to end this little segue, it's just to say, if you're going to get rid of Doug, how he has to go too. I don't know if you're just going to wait until he makes his draft picks, which is then I think one of the worst decisions. They need to, he, I want to know. He messes up that draft. It's over. Who are they hiring as the head coach? I, I'm hoping. Who wants this job? Duke Stale, I'm hoping for Duke Staley. Listen, listen. That's, I'm that's, go what, on, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm going to go on ND and I'm going to apply and I'm going to let you know how it goes. <laughs> you want to come on? You can come on the staff too. I don't know if I want to be associated with this come, team. Come on, bro. With, I need somebody. Bias. Bro, I need somebody to be the strength and conditioning coach. I need you to be on my roster. It's going to be a job for me. Being a part of the Eagles, and we, we lose it, I'll, I'll be just as fierce as you. Okay. That's all, I, that's all I asked. That's all I asked. That's all I asked. Transitioning on to a team that, you know, sucks and also wears green, the New York Jets have <laughs> – How's that for a transition? They do. It was a great one. They do suck. And also, I agree. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, have hired uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Saleh as their new head coach. Um, Saleh, who's been with Seattle, uh, coached with Matt LaFleur all the way back in Michigan, is now getting the reins to his own team. He gets the Jets, who've had some defensive, you know, have had some defensive struggles in the past. Famously fired Greg Williams after they. Un, pulled the greatest tank job, un, you know, until you know Doug threw and Suddy that we've seen all year, and they lost in the last play to uh, to the Vegas Raiders. So now it's Robert Saleh, and I'm interested to see who he's just like Urban Meyer, who's he going to associate himself with? 
Jared, I know you you you're gonna mention that how he pulled some of the staff from the 49ers. So give me your thoughts real quick on, on Saleh taking over in New York. It's already been confirmed he's bringing over linebackers coach D'Amico Ryan as a defensive coordinator. He's bringing over as off offensive assistant Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. The man who, who is Mike LaFleur, who's the brother of Mike LaFleur, yes. Green Bay head coach Matt Green Bay. So but just he bringing over everybody from the 40, he's even the 49ers covered. Bear with this move. Kyle Shanahan is gonna have to figure out what he's gonna have to do next. But, well, um, I heard Press Taylor's available. Oh, to please take him for God's sakes. Please take him. I didn't think anybody would be worse than Mike Grove, but, but Press Taylor. No, I don't. I, if anything, I, and this is what you're hoping as a Jets fan, which I'm not, but if you're a Jets fan, you're hoping anybody who replaces Adam Gase, who went nine and 23, you should you, you just hope for better. That's all I can say. You just hope for better. Anytime Adam any- Gates was a terrible head coach. All right, terrible play caller. New, new rule, everyone. Anytime the words Adam Gates are mentioned, you have to bug your eyes out of your head and look around like you're like a, a lost fly or something. Because that's what Adam Gates does. He kind of like does, you know, does the little bug eye thing and he's just like kind of looking. So, yeah, and it's, this this is a team where there's so many questions in the air for him. They were a 2-14 and 14 team, which was confusing to many because you're talking about a three, tank no, job. Three, They won three. They won three games. Did they? I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I don't. I just remember them being a two and fourteen team. They, and they, they are the only team to tank for for fifteen weeks and still end up with the number two pick. Yeah, and then they finished with the thirty second and twenty fourth in total offense and defense, respectively. There, there. This team has now owned the league's longest playoff drought ten years, and they have a post winning season since twenty fifteen. They haven't had a winning season since twenty fifteen. A lot of this falls on Sam Darnold, who. You don't know what's going to happen with him now that they have the number two pick. Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they not? That's what many questions that's up in the air. Is Sam Darnold willing to even stay now that they got a new head coach? Will he consider maybe trying to revamp his game style again, revamp new coach, or he just want to move on and just try somewhere else? Mm-hmm. This is a team that does have two first-round picks in 2021, the second and the 23rd overall, which is it's, it's good. That's it's what you need. You, they also have $71 million in salary cap space. Which again is very enticing, but who wants to play for the New York Jets? So many people have either been hurt there, befallen on the MetLife Stadium, having broken the record for most injuries in a season. That's that's guaranteed now. Mm. And you're also just looking at so many players have wanted to leave because this team is a perpetual statement of we suck. And right. it's just those two words. We suck. Like you, they they drafted and they draft very well. Joe Douglas has a very good draft of drafting. You draft Jamal Adams, then you also bring in guys that are supposedly very good. I don't. Bashar Perryman wasn't that great of a move, but whatever. But you you bring in some guys that you continue want to rebuild the team, and then you lose Jamal Adams because the team's just so bad that he's like, I gotta get out. They weren't trying to pay him what he wanted or what he he thought he was worthy of. Which he, he's a very good safety. He's deserving what he thinks he's paid for. And he was by far so been the best player of his draft class. And then you look at what they have now that the cupboard's bare. They don't really have a lot of talent. The, the best player I can say on this team right now that I just like, I just like for my, myself personally is Quentin Williams. I really like his game. I like, like what he does, but I don't really know about anything else. I don't know if CJ Mosley's still playing. Has he come back from his injury yet? I don't really like what they have on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So it's like where you go from here, Robert Saley. What, what do you do? How do you really build this team up? How do you regain the trust of Sam Darnold, who's seen and been showcased that this team continues to make these fluctuations, these roster changes, and it's not helping? Right. 
So there's a lot of questions around this team. Robert Staley is bringing in a very good coaching-minded staff. They're very defensive-oriented. Mm-hmm. So now you're just hoping that's going to trail it to the offense because this has been one of the major staples of problems for this team is the offense. Right. Their defense wasn't always bad. It's just the offense is terrible. Right. And so that's what Gase – I mean, Gase was brought in as a you know as an offensive guy. You know, Peyton Manning gave him his blessing. But you, you, you kind of will get more of an idea of what the team looks like after we see who they draft and who they bring in and how they kind of fill out their team around these guys, you know. So I'm interested I'm interested to see what these new head coaches are going to be able be able to do and how they're able to kind of get things done. Um so now we're kind of looking at team we're we're still expecting, you know, Eric Bieniemy to get a job. We're still expecting you know, maybe Joe Brady gets some look somewhere to the uh, Panthers offensive coordinator. Gerard Mayo his name has popped up in some coaching searches, you know, because people are calling him Gerard Belichick. You know, Brian Dable, who is the the, uh, the Bills offensive coordinator, he's kind of floating around. Kellen Moore's name is floating around now, too. Mike Kafka, too. Mike, Mike Kafka, the, the, the quarterback's coach from Kansas City. So now you're looking at teams who need a, you know, who may end up needing a head coach. Still, you know, Jacksonville's kind of out the out the out the loop. The Jets are now out the loop. So now it's Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia. Am I missing anyone? Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia. Chargers. Chargers. So there's still spots to be had. Um, interesting names that I think then people need to look out for. Jim Caldwell. Uh, Sorry, not Rex Ryan. I was going to say Rex Ryan. <laughs> Rob Ryan could land a job, not head coaching job, but maybe a coordinator job somewhere around the league. Arthur Smith, too. I Arthur Smith, Anthony Lynn, he'll, he might pop up some back, like somewhere again. So Raheem Morris. So you never know as, as these openings kind of evolve, you see like, okay, he's, this guy's going to be the head guy, but this guy could be a great coordinator. Has some head coach experience, kind of similar to how Jim Schwartz was with Doug Peterson, you know, or how Wade Phillips was with Sean McVay and 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 with the Rams. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces around the league. Speaking of the biggest surprise in the wild card round, has to be the Cleveland Browns going into Pittsburgh and smacking around the Steelers, ending. Their long, long, very long, extremely long playoff win drought. Jared, do you know the last time the Cleveland had won a playoff game before this past week? It's been a decade, hasn't it? It's been since January 1st, 1994, when they were coached by Bill Belichick. (laughs) The last time that the Cleveland Browns won a playoff game. I know you watched that Pittsburgh game. I know I you have. I know you have a lot of thoughts. I want your thoughts on Cleveland smacking the fraudulent Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland looked good. I'm not gonna lie to you. They looked very good. It was. It. I wasn't saying they looked good because of the fact that they really walked it to them and took it to the Steelers. Now they looked good because they just they stayed poised. They were confident. They came to the game ready to play. 
they also took advantage of all the opportunities given to him, especially the four interceptions by Ben Roethlisberger and the fumble recovery by Marcus Pouncey from a bad snap. It happens. They took advantage of all of that. The run game was still there. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are ballers in their own right. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield stayed stay poised, though. He, he made sure he played his game well. He did his thing. He made the right throws. He threw for, what, 263 yards and three touchdowns? That's, that's what you need to see out of him. That's, that's what's going to happen when the run game is being effective and you're playing a team that's defeated and basically – I guess you could say unhealthy because Ben Roethlisberger didn't look healthy throughout that game. They still had a non-existent run game at the end of the day. That's a team that right now I'm, I'm very, you just go to the Steelers. I, I, I'm, I was surprised by the Browns winning, but you go to the Steelers from the start of the game to the end of the game. It was a game that just did not look good for the Steelers at all. It puts a very big spotlight on what do the Steelers do next season with Ben Roethlisberger? Do they bring him back? Especially when he has a 41.3 million cap hit next season, which will make him the highest paid quarterback next season if he decides to opt into that deal but then you also look at the end of the game at the end of the game he looked abysmally dark he looked like he that might have been the last time he you would see him on the Steelers stadium and it's, it's just you don't know where the Steelers go from there this is a team run by Mike Tomlin that used to be a very run heavy team especially with Le'Veon Bell there and now they've been trying to ding and dunk with Ben Roethlisberger who still had 500 yards but don't let those 500 yards fool you they were coming toward they, they, it wasn't a very good game by him and that team that had so much going on with the whole TikTok scandal of Juju Smith-Schuster to then the whole statements he made saying the Browns will always be the Browns well that team beat you you guys fairly disappointed the world you guys were a team that was supposedly going to go undefeated and you guys didn't get cut it get it through the run game was abysmal and then there's, there's no excuse to be made but you will see that the impact of losing a Bush a TJ Watt, a Bud Dupree did affect that defense as a whole. I agree. I just want to say for the record that I am thoroughly embarrassed that I even tried to formulate an argument for Pittsburgh being one of the favorites in the NFL. In the NFL. I'm, I'm mortified. I just want to apologize to the world because Pittsburgh is fraudulent. Pittsburgh was fraudulent. They let bad teams hang in there. They got smacked by Cleveland in their own house. You know, Juju's not going to, you know, he's going to get a lot of slander. There's a video. He's, he's, he's dancing on the field in the fourth quarter after, the, you know, they're getting smacked and they're trying to make a comeback. And he's sitting there dancing. You know, a lot of people say that the Pittsburgh, this Pittsburgh team is one of the most unlikable teams, you know, with the whole Browns being the Browns and all that stuff. Yeah, the Browns are the Browns, all right. They sh- they showed up in their Corvette, Corvette, and drove out of Pittsburgh with a W. Yeah, and it, it happens. It happened. Maybe this is it for Ben. You never know. No, no. Juju had another down year, in my opinion. After, especially after the whole in twenty eighteen, he had that thousand yard, fourteen hundred yard season when Antonio Brown was still there. He's been having some down years. He only had about, what, 850 yards this season? And then you're just looking at, he's, he's, this is his contract year. This was his contract year. So in 2021, they have to make a decision about Juju Smith-Schuster. Are they going to be resigning him? Will they give him the contract extension that he's maybe going to be looking for? They have the Big Ben talks. So what are they going to do with them? They have a running back conundrum because right now that run game was abysmal this season. So there's so many questions in the air for the Steelers. There is one thing that I, I've heard. Chris, I don't know if you heard it. 
But if the Steelers were looking for a QB, Carson Wentz is available. Jalen Hurts is available. Ooh, that was a guy that I thought was going to get drafted there anyway. So, hey, <laughs> somebody's maybe, available. Maybe Howie can finesse something. Let's, you know, we're going to get into a big trade in a second. But maybe Howie can finesse something because they got to trade one of them. I'm Only th- thing he's good at is making trades. So. They, they have to trade one of them. Something's not going to go because I know Ray, Mason Rudolph's not the future. I'm sorry. Um, so, no, no, nah, it ain't happening. So, real quick, so we have the, the divisional round is set. Your thoughts? Uh, hold on, hold on, before we before we do that, That's another fraudulent team they got bounced was the Tennessee Titans. Tough, Fraud, yeah. Fraudulent, fraudulent. Hey, God, it, it was, I can't. Derrick Henry, who was my guy for the MVP race, I thought he was going to be in the conversation at least yeah. top three. Nah, Just falling down. He had a a horrible, horrible game. It was all bases recovered by that. Great Ravens defense. This is a defense that we've been wanting, we've been looking for all season. They've been playing pretty poor as of late, but then the last three weeks of the season, they started tearing it up a bit. They were able to really start getting Clays Campbell and Derek Wolf involved. Man, Derek Henry got eaten alive, and that team just showcased that Lamar Jackson wanted it. You can see how hungry he was, and he wanted it. Mm-hmm. And that's his first playoff win, maybe first of many. But you, he gets that monkey off his back, and he gets that first W. He kind of took over that game, you know. They were down, you know, they were down 10 to nothing early. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, big, big explosive runs. He makes, he made plays with his legs. He kept the ball, he kept the ball rolling. He kept the ball moving. So you have an ability of a Lamar Jackson to, to take over a game. And this is something we wanted to see him do. And when it came down to crunch time in these high pressure situations, nothing more high pressure than a win or go home type scenario. And he gets it done. And so I'm happy for Baltimore. Now I can I can rest assured that there will be no more mentioning of the Tennessee Titans on this show. I am happy. I can sleep a little bit better tonight. Okay, maybe not, because I'm going to think of more ways to slander the Titans. But I have to say in their defense, they played a, a good game. You know, they came up a little bit short. But – they did what you would expect them to try to do to shut down that Baltimore offense. They tried to pressure the bar. They tried to kind of keep the ball in their uh, in their possession. They, like I said, Baltimore and Tennessee plays very similar. They're very run oriented. They're going to try to hold on to the ball as much as possible. You know, one team it came down to execution. One team executed a little bit better than the other team, and so you see that they're the team that gets the job. You know, gets gets the ball. Uh, keeps the ball, gets the job done, and they're moving on to the divisional round where they'll be playing the Buffalo Bills who played in the, in the Indianapolis Colts. The Bills-Colts game was very good, had a controversial ending, but nonetheless was very good. And Buffalo, a lot of people are saying, you know, if any team in the AFC is to be the one that takes down Kansas City, it may be Buffalo. You know, it's a, it's a snow. It's supposed to be a snowy game when they take on Baltimore. You know, last time we saw Lamar in the snow was in New England. He didn't look particularly great. So who's to say that we're not looking at a Buffalo, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, AFC championship game? I don't know. That would be great to see. 
with the addition of Stephon Diggs, the Bills have just been tremendous. Both Diggs, who's led the NFL in receptions, and then Josh Allen, who's broken all types of records this season with his yards and passing yards allowed, passing yards that he's done, touchdowns that he's thrown. It's just they, the duel has been looking great. They, they hopefully are going to continue it on against the Ravens defense, mm-hmm. even though they're going up against a Marlon Humphrey and a Marcus Peters. I think it's going to be a good game to watch. I, I, I expect this one to be more of a shootout than the Ravens and Titans game. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm. I just realized as you were talking, it's going to be light skinned Lamar Jackson versus dark skinned Josh Allen. I am very interested in this. Excuse me. I let me run it back for you. It's going to be light skinned Lamar Jackson versus dark skinned Josh Allen. Um. Uh, I think you mean light skinned Lamar Jackson versus dark skinned Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, about black as can be. Ah, ah, I, you know, I think they're very similar. They kind of play like one of them. I, I, I don't think Josh Allen gets the fall downfield. I'm talking about he could throw 65 plus yards outfield. You telling me Lamar don't got an arm? Everyone told me Lamar had an arm. Whether, Lamar not whether not the ball whether not whether not is accurate. Whether or not it's accurate is a different no, story. Josh Allen is accurate. Have you seen the throws he makes? Like, you're talking about 65 push yards with accuracy. But Josh Allen's bugaboo has been when he kind of gets out of control, he gets a little wild. Yeah, like he likes to run and throw at the same time, thinking that's the, that's the way to go. I mean, it happens for all QBs. We'll see how the, how the game progresses. Like I said, it's going to be a weather game. So we'll maybe maybe Buffalo is a little bit more equipped to handle that, but Baltimore is a running team. Usually, running teams kind of play better when it's tough weather conditions. So we'll see. But like I said, Lamar did not look great in the last very snowy, you know, rainy, sleety game. So we'll see how it goes. I think that Buffalo, like I said, I think Buffalo is going to win this game. I think we're looking at a Buffalo Kansas City AFC Championship game, but. I would not be – I would be lying if I said I wasn't rooting for Cleveland. I just like that story. Like I said, you know, hadn't won a playoff game since 1994. Hadn't been in the playoffs since 2002. So – No, I, I'm sorry. I don't see – I don't want them beating the Chiefs. I don't I don't want them beating the runner-up for the MVP. I think Aaron Rodgers might be the MVP. I think I, – hopefully it's Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers might be the MVP. But I don't, I don't want them beating a guy that's thrown for 400 – 4,700 yards, 38 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Only six interceptions in the season. That's when Holmes is looking good. All I'm saying is, before last season, Andy's biggest bugaboo was losing in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm but he, I think he broke that down after last season. They won a championship. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm just saying. They won a championship. They did win a championship. Championship changes everything. But before that championship, Everyone's whisper was Andy can't win when it matters. So we'll just see. How about on the NFC side? You know, we got the marquee matchup that everyone wants to see. Brady and Breeze in the playoffs. This is the first time that the Buccaneers and the Saints have met in the playoffs in their histories. This is the first time that a team is looking to beat Brady three times in one season. Jared, talk to me. Are you on my side? Is it a breeze for breeze, or is it Brady's time to shine? Um, shoot. the Saints have dominated the Buccaneers all throughout this season. 
like completely dominated them. And I wouldn't put it past and do it again either back fully healthy. You're talking about Mike Thomas is back who had what one of his first touchdowns of the season in the playoff game. Cause I don't think he's caught a lot of touchdowns this season because of the injuries. They got back their star running back in Alvin Kamara. Cameron Jordan's still there. They have everything you want. And then again, I really do like the Bucks. I like the addition of Antonio Brown, who seemingly, even though he's not the number one figure on that team, the number one receiver, he's the best receiver on that team when you just look at from an overall standpoint of what he is as a receiver. As a wide receiver, he's the best talented wide receiver on that team. Mike Evans is very good, but when you look at what they've done throughout their careers, Mike Evans has never been as talented as Antonio Brown has. Chris Godwin, I need him to catch the ball a little bit more. He needs to stop dropping so many passes, but he very talented receiver. You have three talented receivers, and then you have a very good run game in Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and you have a good offensive line. I, I like what Tom Brady has. Can Tom Brady get it done? Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully he can, he can get it done. Hopefully Bruce Arians determines that this is going to be a game where they can continue to run the ball like they did the last game against the Washington football team, even though they kept the Washington football team in the game throughout most of it. But if I had to pick right now, I, I think the Saints are going to win this game. I'm Again, the Saints have just always been a team where they dominate, and they dominate well throughout the regular season. And then when it comes to the playoffs, they, it's like, as you, you mentioned earlier, a monkey wrench on their back. They come to the playoffs, and it's like always that one thing that ends up hurting them, that one thing that ends up ruining them, either a Hail Mary pass or a bad no call or a, a, a bad call that was made, passing or something like that. So maybe this is a game where – They've dominated this team twice already in the season. You know what this team does. You know, you've seen the looks that they made. You haven't seen the way Antonio Brown, but you still know what you're going up against. Marshall Landor does a very good job on Mike Evans. Like there's there's no this rivalry has been so well that, but it's right now it's one-sided where Marshall Landor has been able to dominate against Mike Evans every time they play against each other. I like what I see from the Saints. I like that Drew Brees is still doing it with their injured rib cage. I don't know how well it's healed, but I think this is a team that right now you will see them going to championship. I can see either one of these two teams, you know, competing, you know, winning a championship this year. Brady, obviously, it's Brady. You know, he's the greatest of all time, the greatest who ever done it. Looking for his sixth, I'm sorry, for his seventh Super Bowl ring. But I think New Orleans has Tampa Bay's number for whatever reason. I think that it's a a foregone conclusion. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be tight. Obviously, when you see somebody for a third time, you kind of pick up, you kind of know what they're going to do. And it comes down to execution, and just it boils down to that. And I've had people say, you know, you don't, you can't expect Brady to lose a third time. Well, I can, and I do, and I think that Brady is going to lose to New Orleans because I think that for as great as Tampa Bay is, they have some holes on the defensive end. Washington was able to expose them a little bit. You know, when you have, you have a quarterback who can move a little bit, they kind of tend to be in trouble. I'm not saying Breeze can move, but they have Taysom Hill. You know, they have a, a weapon that not other teams, you know, other teams don't have. Sean Payton is one of the most creative offensive minds in the NBA. I'm sorry, in the NFL. So you <laughs> – so – sorry, too many acronyms. So you look at that and you think about, okay, how can Sean Payton – try to attack this Tampa Bay defense for a third time. You know, I don't think they're going to show you anything that you haven't seen before, and it just boils down to execution. But if there's someone who's going to throw out a new wrinkle, who's going to throw out something that you haven't seen before at all this year, it's Sean Payton, it's New Orleans. And if anyone can match Brady, you know, 
brain for brain, it's someone who's been around the game almost as long as he has, and that's Drew Brees. So I think that Brees and New Orleans goes 3-0 and on Brady this year, and they will be in the NFC Championship game. And the other game that, you know, kind of is flying under the radar is the Rams in Green Bay. The Rams who upset Seattle last week, Jared Goff, who didn't start, ended up playing, coming in, leading his team to victory with a broken thumb. You know, they're taking on Green Bay. Like you said, MVP, favorite, Aaron Rodgers, looking to go back to the NFC Championship game again. Talk to me, Jared, about the, the likelihood that the Rams have in this game. Do they have a chance? Absolutely, they have a chance. They have two of the best defensive players in the game on their team. And Jalen Ramsey is a top five corner. And Aaron Dunn, who's arguably the best defensive player in the NFL right now. And with those two names, with those two guys on your field, you, you stand a very good chance of dominating, especially when Aaron Rodgers doesn't have as many weapons as all these other teams have. He doesn't. If you look at what Jared Goff or whoever their quarterback's going to be, he has a Cam Makers. He has a Chris, Chris Cup, he, Cooper Cup, thank you. He has a Robert Woods. He has a Joe Everett or whoever the tight end is that's going to be starting because they go, they flip fly back and forth in the rotational set. They have that defense. And then you look at what Aaron Rodgers has. Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And then Robert Tunyon. I, I think Robert Tunyon is an up and coming piece. He's very good. He's not there yet, but he's a very good tight end. But they just don't have everything you want from an offensive standpoint that the Rams have. And on the defensive end, the Packers are a fairly competent defense. They're in the middle of the pack. They've been trending upwards as of late with uh, Jair Alexander, who's been playing very well, playing as an outside and inside corner. But I think the Rams have a chance. I just very like what Rodgers has been doing all season. I, I like the way he's been playing. I like the – FU attitude he's had all season to this Packers organization, to the NFL that kind of ruled him out when they took Jordan Love in the first round as a first round draft pick as his replacement. I think, I think prematurely, I still think it's like Aaron Rodgers is only 37. I think he took him premature. There's other quarterbacks later on in these years to come. Jordan Love might've been a premature draft pick, but so be it. You're talking about Aaron Rodgers, who's right now poised to be the MVP with 4,200 yards, 48 touchdowns and five interceptions. Mm. This is a guy that, shouldn't need to be worried about um, somebody on his back thinking about replacing him. He should be worried about this championship, which I think he's going to bring to the table right now. I think he can, he can go to the Super Bowl this season. I think that's how good he's been playing. I think that's how good this team is. I think they're going to win this game against the Rams because, again, this is a team. The Rams played a Seahawks team that was lousy on defense, very lousy on defense. It wasn't a good defensive team. Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner might have been the two saving graces on that defense. Mm-hmm. The offensive side of the ball, Jalen Ramsey really dominated DK Metcalf. Don't let the don't let whatever people saying he had a touchdown fool you. No, Jalen Ramsey dominated. He's, he's been dominating a lot of top corners. I like, I'm like I'm interested to, to see the matchup between him and Devontae Adams. I think that's going to be the biggest storyline of this game is the matchup between these two Pro Bowl or these two very talented athletes. But I'm also looking at it as I, I just really like what the Packers are bringing right now. I like this energy they have, and I just like the fact that they've all kind of been in a resurgence around Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he, they're like, he's not done yet. And right now that's the storyline for this Packers team is I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still here. MVP, Super Bowl, I'm trying to win it all. So talk to me. Who do you think is going to make the biggest impact 
in this Green Bay Rams game? Do you think it's going to be the the other guys, or do it's going to be one of the, the big name guys? It's going to be the Rodgers, it's going to be the Devontae Adams, it's going to be the Ramseys. Could it be someone that we're not thinking about? Could it be like a Cam Akers? You know, what's the likelihood that that someone who's not the big name stars makes an impact, and who who could that be? Um, it, it, it's also it's very likely you're going to really need an Alan Lazard and a Marcus yeah. Valdez-Scanlon to really step up this game. Right. If you're the if you're the Packers, you you could tell right now that they'd wish that Devin Funches didn't opt out. As you get later into this season, where there's going to be you're going to be facing these top tier cornerbacks mm-hmm. that can really lock you down and lock up. But you're going to need – Aaron Rodgers knows that he's – Devontae Adams is going to have his hands full with Jalen right. Ramsey. There's no denying it. There's no, oh, man, Devontae Adams is one of the best route runners. He is. But Jalen Ramsey is one of the best corners, and he knows he knows the routes. He knows how you get out of the breaks. He studies your film. You're going to need these guys like a Lazar and a Marcus Vanderskandis who normally tend to drop the ball, not to drop that many passes this game. Right. They're going to really have to make their catches. Maybe right. have to get out of the breaks faster. We have to really, really try to expand their route tree – or just get out the brakes in a way where they can just create the separation they need to get Rodgers the ball because Rodgers going to need to get the ball out of his hands faster. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald is going to be coming. That Rams D-line is there. He's going to have to get the ball out a little bit quicker than he would in other games. And this is also a playoff game. They're going to be playing with a little bit more intensity. Those are the two guys I'm saying are going to have to really step up if the Packers want to win. On the other side of the ball, it's going to have to be Jared Goff is going to have to step up because I think Jared Goff is going to end up being the quarterback. Mm-hmm. For this game, I, I know what Cam Akers brings to the table. I know I know how good he is. I told you I've liked him when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. But it's really just going to see how Jared Goff plays. If Jared Goff has been playing so sub average level, where he's getting paid an enormous amount of money to be playing greatness, and he hasn't been playing that greatness, he hasn't been playing like the Super Bowl Jared Goff that he once previously was two years ago. He's now kind of regressed a little bit, and he, I know he has a thumb injury, but he's healthy enough to continue to play. He has to be able to throw some touchdowns. I don't, I don't, I don't expect, I don't think the Rams expected him to have to play. You know, he was not, you know, supposed to be playing. Uh, John Wolfer ended up being hit by Jamal Adams and he ended up having to be forced into action. But I think that the two guys that need to step up the most, if it's, if it's going to be a Rams victory, is the two offensive tackles. You know, Andrew Whitworth, Rob Havenstein. These are two guys that you're going to protect your quarterback. You know, he can't really throw. He can move, but he can't really get, you know, he's going to have to need some time to really get a lot of, you know, of the the pieces. You know, everything needs to be perfect for the Rams to win. Oh, and, and also it has been confirmed that John Wolford has been ruled out for the game. So Jared Goff will be the starting QB. Okay. So, Heavenstein and Whitworth need to make sure that their quarterback is upright. Green Bay, Green Bay has pass rushers, you know. Uh, Zaire Smith, um, and today, um, the other one is the name just escaped me real fast, but they have these pass rushers who can get to the quarterback. You know, that's usually been the biggest, that's usually been the biggest problem with Green Bay is they really didn't have a great defense. So, um, Zadarius Smith, that's what I'm thinking of. They didn't really have the greatest impact on the defensive end by pushing the pile and getting pieces around them so when you look at the the guys on la that's going to be the the unsung heroes that need to step up and have one of their greatest games because if if the rams are going to win they need to play flawless football and it starts with the offensive line keeping golf upright and letting you know acres make a move 
and creating holes and allowing that play action game to to really pick up. So guys like Woods, guys like um, Cup can have open open opportunities to make plays. So, with all that being said, with all that out the way, we're finally at the point where we can get to what you guys came for, and that's James Harden, a Brooklyn Net. Jared, I know what you're thinking, that this makes Brooklyn the best team in the league, right? No. Really? I don't think the best team in the league. Talk to me. Talk to me. Why, why don't you think that they're the best team in the league? Uh, there's too many questions surrounding this team. Even with Kyrie and KD, when they were together, that team was losing games as of, as of late. With Kyrie now out because of air quotes personal reasons, people have been saying it's because he doesn't want to play. People have said they've seen him in videos at family events or without a mask on, et cetera, et cetera. And there, there needs to be some type of violation and stuff like that. With everything going on around Kyrie, it's going to be hard to see how this team connects. Right. I think losing Spencer Dill when he hurts them. Because mm-hmm. they, they lost a lot of pieces. Yeah, like the trade details, the actual trade was the Rockets get the Radonis Krukos, Dante Axum, four unprotected picks, which were the Brooklyn Karuch, 2022. Krukos, thank you, Krukos. Brooklyn 2022 pick. Brooklyn's 2024 pick and Brooklyn's 2026 pick and Milwaukee's 2022 pick, and they get four unprotected first-round pick swaps, which is 2021, 2023, 2025, 2027. Then Nets were able to get James Harden. They were able to get the Pacers involved, which the Pacers got Karis LeVert, and then the Broncos would get Victor Oladipo. They would get the 2023 second-round pick from Houston, and the Cavaliers would get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. So the Rockets made sure they were able to get teams involved. The Nets made sure they were to get another team involved, which was the Cavaliers, to help them kind of smooth this trade out to get be able to acquire James Harden. And I think on paper they have a very good big three. I think this might be the best big three in NBA history if you just look at on paper what these three dudes have done in their careers. You're talking about two, two guys that have won chips and two MVPs on the same team. That's very good. And they're all still in their prime of their careers. Well, you're talking about what this team can bring as a whole and they're the best team. I don't know yet. I haven't really seen them play James Harden. I have seen James Harden overweight. There's been jokes about him. I talk about calling him honey buns and stuff like that, but he, he's overweight. James Harden, he did that on purpose because of the fact that he wanted, he wanted to play in Houston. So I think he'll, he'll probably shed that by about March. He'll, he'll shed that weight, get back to his game, really get into his game weight. But then talking about when is Kyrie coming back and how do they all mesh together because they're all ball-dominant players. There's not a single one out of these three names as a guy that's legitimately an off-ball guy besides maybe Kevin Durant who can kind of catch and shoot. Kind of. Or mm-hmm. James Harden who can really play make, but the only way he play makes is with the ball in his hands to play make. And that's utilizing a lot of the shot clock and then finding an open guy or cutting base on after dribbling a lot. And so it's, it's a lot to go. It's a lot of moving pieces. Steve Nash has his job cut out for him, but right now I think this team is boomer bust. With all these moves the Nets have made, this team boomer bust. It's championship or nothing. All right. I agree with you on that because the the, op- the optics look great. You know, you have the big three. You have the guys. But how long before they start turning on each other? Because you know it's inevitable. You know the fingers are going – if this doesn't work out, you know the fingers are going to start getting pointed. Oh, it's, you know, because Kyrie isn't here. Oh, it's because Harton keeps dominating the ball. Oh, it's because Ky- KD is throwing up shots. So it's always, I feel like it's always going to be some type of an excuse for Brooklyn. What if it doesn't work? 
You know, what if it doesn't work? Then Brooklyn has given up pretty much every draft pick they have until 2027. And James Harden, to my knowledge, has not signed the extension yet, has not said he was going to sign the extension. We don't even know if Brooklyn can afford to sign him to an extension. So he could be out of there in two years a season, anyway. A season, basically. Basically. He can be he can be gone, and you would have got get given all this up for what? And I get it. It's the opportunity to to win a you know to win a championship. I understand that. If you have that window, you go for it. But at one, what point is it too much to give up with so many question marks? Especially with the loss of Kyrie, not loss because it's not he's hurting that he just doesn't want to play. But with the loss of Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie being out, I understand the Nets' motive to get this trade done as fast as possible. I understand it. So do you think do you think Harden's Harden being brought in was Kyrie insurance? Yes. Because right now you don't know of how long Kyrie's gonna stay, if he's even gonna continue to play basketball this season. Mm-hmm. You don't know how long Kyrie Irving mentally is gonna be like, I still wanna be here. Because right now Kyrie Irving treats the NBA like it's my team or like it's an NBA my career where he's like, man, I can get, he just, he'll just go to the next flavor of the week. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of how it's been where he's like, okay, I don't want to be in this city anymore. Let me get traded to another city. Or I don't want to play with these guys. I'm going to go play with somebody else. And right now he's been going through his whole mindset of, I don't like the media. So I'm going to go talk to him. Then, then I realized I need him to talk to the media because at the end of the day, it's not like they're bad guys. They're just doing what they're doing their job. I have to do my job. Well, Kyrie's not doing his job. He's getting paid millions to, do what right and now like there, and right now there haven't been any consequences against him like we still haven't heard any consequences for him just taking these personal days off mm-hmm. and not a lot of people get this opportunity to play basketball or get paid millions. he's taking these personal days because of something that's going on in his mindset and you don't have time for that when you're a basketball team trying to win a championship and you brought in james harden for the insurance policy that if Kyrie does not return or you do not bring him back you let him sit the season, you let him do whatever, because you've heard people on first take say, Stephen A. Smith saying, Kyrie should just retire until he's ready to return, whatever. I think that's nonsense too, but you, you as long as James Harden's there, KD has another one-two guy with him. He has another guy that can get, that can score the ball and do what you got to do to win you a game. I agree with that, and I agree that that I, it's Kyrie insurance, you know, because you don't know, you have no assurance when it comes to Kyrie Irving what's going through his mind. But when you when you look at Brooklyn, first year head coach, first year that this team has been constructed and it is together, they really don't they don't have a bench anymore. They don't have any depth per se. Like I get it, they can go out and have one of these buyout guys. But who really, you know, who really on that team? Like let's say one of them is not there. Let's say Kyrie's not there. Harden and KD can can muster you some wins. Like they that's not a bad one-two punch to have. But who's playing defense on that team? You know what I'm saying? Where who's who's the defensive like when like a lot of people can compare it to Golden State, right? Golden State had shooters out the out the building, right? But they strapped people up. Yeah, they locked up. You're talking about Iguodala, Draymond, Kevin Durant played defense. Clay Thompson's one of the best premier defenders. They had defensive right. players. They had players. Now, who does Brooklyn have that's the you know a defender on the perimeter? <laughs> Nobody. Like, 
KD's a KD's a, a good. A, he's solid. He's, he's a, very a solid, solid defender. Player. You know, because he's seven feet tall and he has ten foot long arms. But you know, who's who's like <laughs> I get it. You going? They're going to be in shootouts every night. They're playing a hundred. You know. 140 to 138 games every night. They, they can't win a championship like that. And then, again, the Nets still have options to make. They still have their mid-level exemption. They still have roster spots available because of the fact they gave so many players up in the trade. Um, if we're just talking about on a standpoint of who won the trade, I personally believe the Rockets won the trade because you got the best value for what you could get for James Harden. Besides the fact that the Sixers didn't make the trade because the Sixers weren't giving up Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, and picks. Now, I'm glad you said that because does it change your opinion because it came out that uh, 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 Tillman Fertitta, who's the Rockets owner, supposedly said they're not, he's not trading Harden to the Sixers because Maury is with the Sixers now. Like, under any circumstances, he's not trading Harden to the Sixers. I get it, because that's, I mean, at the end of the day, the Rockets still wanted to have, the the owner still wants to say, man, they send that final F you as well to James Harden and Maury saying, man, you don't, you guys don't get to run this the way you guys want to run it. It's not going to go what, right the way you want. Mm-hmm. And, again, the, the Sixers weren't willing to give up a Tyrese Maxey, a Matisse Thibel, and a Ben Simmons for Harden and future picks. No, I'm not giving up all that. Not, especially after what you've just seen that the, the, the Nets had to give up. I mean, the Nets had to give up all of their future picks in a Karis LeVert, but there's not that's Karis LeVert isn't on the level of Ben Simmons. So you you're not giving up the same amount if you're the Sixers. And I, I I'm a Sixers fan, so there's bias there a little bit when I'm saying I'm not giving up Ben Simmons who's 24 years old for James Harden who's overweight, 31, and you don't know if he wants to stay with your team or not. Even if Daryl Murray's there, you don't know if he's going to want to stay. But let me let, let's, let me say something for overweight people. You know, I know a lot of fat people. They're very valuable in certain situations. I'm not worried about that. I know James Harden's going to lose the weight. What he, I'm saying is, we all know Harden's going to come back. I like Maxi. Maxi's been playing very well for the Sixers. I think he has a future with the Sixers. Don't give that up. Matisse, I'm not. Matisse is for me is an iffy. I think Matisse can either stay or go. I think Matisse has a, the value of being a very good three well three wing defender, three level scorer. There, I think he has a three and D mentality. He just he just has he's still young, so you have to learn how to shoot the ball better. But Benson is something you don't want to give up just yet when you still have – the Sixers are winning. They're, they're dominating the East right now. Joel mm-hmm. B, I believe, just a couple nights ago, had a 45-point game. Ben Simmons tonight had a triple-double. Right, so you don't want to give that up yet when they're still growing. There's so much room to growth under a very good head coach that they've never had before. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying I think the Rockets might have won because look at what they got in exchange. You're talking about all these unprotected picks. And Oladipo. I think – and then – you're still able to get Old Depot, who I'm hearing rumors that Old Depot still wants to get traded to the Miami Heat throughout the season mm-hmm. before the trade line. I don't know if that's going to be true or false, but I, I've talked to some people about it. Getting Old Depot and moving Karis LeVert was a very good idea because the fact is, I know you're giving up the youth of a Karis LeVert, but Victor Old Depot, John Wall, and, Ro- and Christian Woods with a Demarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon, Peter Tucker, that's still a team that could potentially make a playoff spot. And that's what the Rockets want. They want the longevity of all these draft picks. What they because you don't know what the draft is going to do because of the fact that Brooklyn might be a very good team at the end of the day. They might still always be a very good playoff team that makes the Eastern Conference Finals because they still have the big three of Kyrie, James, and KD. Right. Or or it falls short and it doesn't plan out. But you're also looking at it as Victor Oladipo kind of brings another tandem to this team 
that can help you in the long run when you have a John Wall who's coming back and getting in shape. He looks very good. The Rockets are still winning games even without James Harden. Mm-hmm. And then they still have a chance in the in the West that the West is a, is a very tricky conference to ever say who's going to be in or out. Besides the first three teams, it's always after the first three teams, it's always if ands or buts. You don't know who's ever going to make it. Right. And so you don't so you don't know what's what the what the what the long term is going to be. You don't know what it's going to be in the West. You know, you have a team in Houston who still has some pieces. You know, it's not quite what it was, but it is it it is what it is at this point. Do you see that do you see Houston making the playoffs this year? I can see them making it. It's not it's not a not a saying me saying, oh no, they they I can see them making the playoffs with John Wall if he's healthy. Demarcus Cousins healthy. Victor Oladipo decides to stay, or he does stay. I, I seen, I've already seen what Victor Oladipo's done throughout the season so far. He's been playing very good, and I've seen what Christian Woods has done. And Christian Woods has been stellar all season. I think they can make the playoffs. Okay, I can see them getting the AFC without a doubt. Do I see them winning the AFC or winning against the Lakers? No, but do I see them making the playoffs? Sure, and that keeps them relevant. That keeps them in contention. That not that, that, no, that keeps them in the playoff spot. That keeps them in the playoff hunt. That keeps them showing that hey. We're still doing it even without James Harden, with the guys we have here, with under this new coach, Steven Silas. We we still got this. Right. We're building and, for the future. And they and they played they played hard. Um, they got a good win versus San Antonio. They they hustled up and, and got that W. So I think that they there's a lot. If you're a Rockets fan, obviously I think the championship window was done. You know, Harden's yeah, gone. It's gone. It's gone. gone. But they're in contention. Maybe they can look to find some pieces and maybe that 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 playoff run window is not quite over yet right because i mean look at it right now it's early in the season and right now rockets are what four and six mm-hmm. we're talking about teams that normally would be in a playoff spot right now aren't and uh, when i say that i'm talking about the nuggets are five and six they're not well, even it's, it's still it's still it's early, so early to tell who's going to be in and out so I, I think the rockets still have a chance of doing it i think the nuggets still going to make the playoffs so when I just say who do I think won the trade, I'm just saying the Rockets because of the fact of what you got in return for Harden. Yeah, they got now Harden got, ends got up. Back. Yeah, you got a very great haulback. Now if Harden and KD and Kyrie end up going to the finals and winning the championship, well, James Harden won the trade that he wanted. He got what he wanted. Got the championship that he's so long deserved. He's yeah, he deserved. He so long has fought for and deserved to finally get a chance to win a ring. The the Nets are now the new villains of the league, but that's not nothing new. Katie's been a villain. Katie's been a villain since he joined the Warriors. He. That's I don't, not I don't think they're the villains of the, like. I don't see as much vitriol. As- I, yeah, I don't have as much. See, and that's the thing. I've heard that when I heard that statement, are the the that's the new villains. I'm like, I don't feel that way. Like when, when Katie joined the Warriors, I like I had animosity towards them. As an analyst, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a great team. They're gonna do great things. But when you really look at it as a fan, you're like, man, Katie, why why'd you go there, bro? Right. You're just like, dude, you don't have to do that. You just was up three run against them. You go back next season and fight them again. But again, that that made me villain. That's what made the Warriors the villains. Now when I'm seeing all these basically in team problems with the Nets already, I'm like, how are they villains? They, they they fighting each other before they can fight the other teams. They don't know what's going on with them. So I I don't really have that villain mentality for them. It's just more of can they get it done? Is this coach that you brought in a first-year head coach that's never coached a day in his career, Steve Nash? Is can he do it? Can he bring you guys together? Is his leadership at that level yet where he can compete for a championship? I agree. I agree. Um, so is there anything else we missed? This was a lot to cover. Is there anything that we missed? Oh no, I don't think so. 
I, 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 I truly hope not. Now let me. Before, I just thought of something before I before we wrap everything up. We're you know we're the Sixers missed out on Harden. Is there a way that they end up getting a Beal or a Levine or another guard where they can bolster their chances to win a championship this season? Absolutely. Now, is there is there any way they get a top tier type of player? Without giving up Ben Simmons, yes and no. Explain. Yes, you can give up pieces to get a Beal, especially if Beal decides he demands a trade. There are ways to get a Bradley Beal without having to give up Ben Simmons. Because first off, Ben Simmons and Russell will not work on the court together. They will not flow at all on the court together. So there are ways to finagle moves, do the same thing the Nesters did, and give up a lot of assets. Couple players probably see a Matisse and a Shake, maybe even a Maxi involved then to get a Beal. As long as you're keeping Ben Simmons and and be with the Beal together, and then there are ways the same way. Then the note is depending on how Ben Simmons plays throughout the rest of the season. Like right now, he had that triple double that you just told me about. Um, if his point production hasn't, if it's not really increasing, or if his if his uh, play style hasn't really become more dominant or more effective for the team. They might just decide it's time to move on by a trade down as well. There might be a time to say, hey, we've tried as much as we can. We gave the fans what they wanted. We did what we we did it as long as we could. We we showed you guys as much as we could of Ben Simmons and B together. Right now, where depending on where the Sixers are at, they're either going to be the top of the East or a middle of the pack team, or maybe a bottom of the East team by this by that time. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's time to move on. We got to get the best we can get right now. And if Bradley Bill's there and they say, yo, straight up Ben Simmons first, Bradley Bill. That she's probably gonna take it because they still Daryl Morey and Doc came in here to help win this team a championship. You're not here for a rebuild. You're not here to continue with growth. You're here to win a championship, mm-hmm. and you only have a limited amount of time to do that. The Sixers window isn't as open or as big as we want it to be. Okay, it's very eloquently, a uh, very eloquently stated. Great job out of you. Now, one more time. Anything else before we go? I'm pretty sure we're done. There will be some breaking news tonight that we're gonna have to come back in a couple days for. Of course, of course. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Straight to the Point. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or on any of the new platforms that we are on—Spotify, Google Play, anything like that. Leave us a review if you like what you hear. Uh, follow us on any favorite socials. That's at STTP Podcast on all your favorite socials. Make sure you follow me. At underscore Chris Cross. Follow me at J-Dub Hughes. Definitely follow the podcast. We are now at 430 followers and rising. Trying to get to that new goal of, I guess the same goal, 500. But I said, I said now I want to get to 1,000. So we, we almost at 500. I want to get to 1,000 now. We're going to get to 1,000 by the end of the year. So I want to do that. I want to keep growing. I want to keep building. And we got more things to come. So definitely keep it, keep it locked. Make sure you turn us up on all your favorite platforms. Like I said, once again, now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, Podbean, SoundCloud, wherever that you listen to podcasts, Straight to the Point is now there. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in, turn us up, and we'll be back next week with more jam-packed sports news. So make sure you turn us up. Hemi76, bringing us in as always, taking us out. We'll see you next time.